Welcome to the Blue Jeans Christian Weekly Podcast, where we will take your faith and the powerful Word of God and make them as practical and relevant to your job, home, and hobbies as your favorite pair of blue jeans are on a Saturday. We are back to our regularly scheduled program, How to Improve Your Job, where we're taking specific Bible passages and learning how to relate them to our job so we can improve our job as well as our relationships at our job with our employers, our customers, and our vendors. But hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, you are working, <laughs> if you're supposed to be. <laughs> oh boy, what a roller coaster ride. It's mostly been those scary downhills that turn upside down and do the loop-de-loop. And the sounds you hear are people screaming <laughs> or throwing up. Yeah, that's what it's been like lately, right? <laughs> oh, boy. Hopefully, you are working. And if not, you have come up with ways to bring income in. I know there are about 50 online jobs that you can do at your computer. There's a couple of YouTube videos on those. Some of them are pretty easy, too. And most anybody is qualified for them. Or maybe you've been able to think outside the box and come up with ways that your work can bring some income in. And now would be a great time to really improve your standing at your company by coming up with ways to bring income in. I drove around yesterday and saw a lot of restaurants with no cars in the parking lot, evidently closed, because they were told to be closed. But those that have drive throughs were open, and I saw a lot of cars going wrapping around the restaurant, going through the drive through But some of them, like we went to Chick-fil-A for, for lunch, and again, the restaurant part was closed, but the drive through I thought was going to have a long line. But boy, were they really efficient. They had five different kids, kids that are younger than me, um, at different stages around the line of cars, taking orders, verifying, and it moved so fast. There was probably eight or nine cars in front of us, and we got through in five minutes. I mean, serious, it was super fast, so they really had it figured out. And then I saw other restaurants who did not have a drive through who had a makeshift drive through like a little white tent out front, and there were cars lined up and going through that little white tent, and they were making specific food items. They had you know, this one that I walked by had four things on their menu that they were packaging up and selling one right after another. So they were figuring it out too. They had thought outside the box, which was really cool. Yeah, I talked to a guy on the phone just a little bit ago, and he said that his son, who is a chef up in Washington State, his restaurant was closed. But he went to the owner of the restaurant and said, we're a high-end restaurant. We don't have drive through And the restaurants that are open that have a drive through are fast food type restaurants. We serve healthy, high-end food. What if we had a delivery service or a pickup service of packaged high-end foods? And that owner said, no, nah, I don't want to fool with that. So what did this young man do? started doing it himself and texting friends who texted friends. He created a little Facebook kind of a ad. And now he is probably 
right on the verge, if not already done so, started his own restaurant right from his house. He wasn't going to sit around and mope. He was going to get up and do something. I applaud people like that. And we'll be praying that young man goes far with his new business. So it's cool to see that American ingenuity and American spirit. And hopefully those people and those businesses that are thinking outside the box, that will be enough for them to get through this little bit of a rough time. Hopefully it's a little bit of a rough time. And if there are any businesses that aren't able to do that, I sure hope and pray that that y'all make it. Y'all make it through all this. As you may be able to tell from the background, it's raining where I am. You can hear the rain hitting, hitting the windows and such. So hopefully it's not annoying. Today's topic is prepare and clean. Every worker does two things. They prepare or ramp up for their day and they clean up when they're done. Hopefully everybody gets back to preparing and cleaning so you can listen to this and be ready for when you do get to go back to work. Christian workers do this at their jobs too, but they also do these two prior to leaving the house. What I mean is cleaning out the worldly things that clutter, confuse, and condemn us, then return to the basics with the things that enlighten, encourage, and energize What am I talking about? How do we get rid of the three C's and replace them with the three E's? Each morning, spend time in prayer and in God's Word. If you've been listening to the past seven or eight podcasts, you know we've been covering individual and specific things that the Bible says that we can do to improve our job. And they may be things that even are kind of a life-changing kind of a thing. But they certainly do work to improve our job and improve our relationships with our coworkers, with our boss, and maybe even with our vendors and our customers. But if you were to ask me which one of all of these made the most impact on my career, it's this one. When times got really tough during the last downturn, and I have been through three or four downturns, by the way, (laughs) in my career, and here's another one barreling down on us right now, isn't it? Anyway, this last one from about 2008 or 9 until about 2013 or so, I made the commitment to set my alarm 45 minutes earlier every morning and spend about half of that time on my knees alone with God in prayer and the other half of that time reading His Word. And my work life improved dramatically. See, the core of a relationship is communication. And I need, need, no, let me repeat that. I need a relationship with our Creator, God, the sustainer of everything. God who's in control of everything and can use even the bad things that He doesn't do or cause, but that happen because of the fallen world, He can turn them into good. I need a relationship with that God, and so do you, no matter what stage in life you're at, or no matter what your job situation is. We need a relationship with God. Jesus is sitting on the throne right now, just to the right hand of God, and the Bible says he is there making intercessions for us. He's talking to God on our behalf. 
trying to sway God to do things that Jesus knows will be best for us. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool to have somebody right there? I think I told this story in a podcast last fall, but I'll say it again because I think it explains it pretty well. It's a personal story about growing up in Wyoming. I was involved in 4-H, which is basically scouts for farm kids, (laughs) you know, where you pick a few projects and you work on them and then you get judged and win awards if you did well and a lot of different skills we learned And I wanted those life skills that 4-H taught me to be opened up to more kids my age who were not necessarily from agriculture-based families. I wanted to add projects that city kids could do, too. I also wanted projects with little expense so kids from poor or single-parent families could also participate. Basic electricity was one of those ideas where a young person could learn how electricity works and and some basic safety precautions and how to repair a broken plug at the end of a cord or make an extension cord from a broken small appliance. Another was model rocketry, which has since become one of the more popular 4-H projects. But anyway, back when I was 15 years of age, I put all of those ideas together and I sought to get them to the national head of 4-H, which happened to be the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, who was in Washington, D.C., How was a Wyoming farm kid going to talk to the Secretary of Agriculture? Well, my dad went to college with our Wyoming senator, who was in Washington. So I wrote him a letter and told him my ideas and asked him if he would share them or give them to the U.S. head of the Department of Agriculture. Amazingly enough, that senator liked my letter, and I flew to Washington, D.C., where he took me to Capitol Hill, right into the office of the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture. (laughs) And I wore, I remember I wore a suit that my parents bought me for my high school prom, which I still didn't quite fit into yet. It was a tan suit with, you know, those dark brown patches on the sleeves where your elbows are. And... My sleeves were too long for my arms, so my hands kind of hidden up inside the sleeves, even though my hands were straight down. (laughs) Just before we entered the office, the wise senator asked me, who was my favorite teacher? It seemed like a strange question. I told him, and he told me not to be scared or nervous when I met the secretary, but to talk to him just like I would with that high school teacher that I liked and respected. Then we went into the secretary's office together, and his hand was right behind my right shoulder so I could feel his encouraging support, which calmed me a little, and it gave me confidence. The senator greeted the secretary of agriculture, and they exchanged a few pleasantries, and as he squeezed my shoulder, quickly said, Mr. Secretary... Spend a few minutes listening to what this young man has to say. It's important to him, and I would suggest honoring his requests. Wow, that was impressive. I remember feeling so important. And I remembered the senator's advice about my favorite teacher. So even though I had butterflies in my stomach and my hands were cold and clammy, which you couldn't see anyway, I just opened my mouth and I thanked the secretary for his time 
and I started telling him what was on my mind about 4-H projects for city and underprivileged kids. I told him why they were needed and what my suggestions were, and respectfully asked him for his help to make them happen. And he did. And the results of those are the two projects I mentioned earlier. Jesus is sort of like that senator. He can get us right into the throne room of the universe and say to the Almighty God, spend some time listening to what this person has to say, and I suggest an appropriate answer. We read in Hebrews 4.16 that because of Jesus and his advice, we can talk boldly before our Father God. Just like I was able to talk boldly to that Secretary of Agriculture because of a little bit of advice that the senator gave me, and the senator got me right in there and had his hand on my shoulder for support, we can be like that before God because of Jesus. Hebrews 7.25 and Romans 8.24 tell us that Jesus lives right now and makes intercessions for us in heaven. He prays for us, probably communicating more effectively with God our Father than we ever could. And that's so comforting. It's very impressive, and it makes us important to God. So back to my story when times were tough and I decided to spend more time in prayer every morning. The only way that I knew how to communicate with God and improve my relationship with God was to pray and then read his Bible. So it's kind of like talking to him in prayer and then him talking to me when I read his word, the Bible. See how that works? That's a two-way conversation. Doing those two things prepared my heart for the day and my mind for the day. It set my focus on what really matters early on in the day and who is powerful Who is my hope? Who is my strong tower? Who is my strength? Who is my guidance? And who is the source of my courage? God. What do I pray for? What do I read? Well, let's start with prayer. Here's what I typically tried to pray for each day. First, I would confess any sin that I could think of. Jesus took and paid the penalty of all our sins, past, present, and future, but it's good to tell God that we know we messed up and we're sorry about it, and we'll do our best not to repeat it. Confessing our screw-ups and asking for forgiveness from God is sort of like cleaning up the room before we invite Him in for a chat. (laughs) I thank Him for as many things as I can think of, and I prayed for my loved ones, And I would pray for specific things for my loved ones. You know, like my wife and and my daughter and, and my dad and a few other close relatives. I would pray for specific things because I have found over the years, folks, pay attention to this. I have found over the years that God specifically answers specific prayers. And he generally answers general prayers. So pray specifically for specific things. And remember to thank him when they, when they come true or when he answers those prayers. I pray for some of my coworkers and the leaders at the company 
especially if I know of anything that they're dealing with. Again, specifics. <laughs> and if I can point any of them to Jesus, please give me the opportunity and the words to say. I pray that I can be the image of Jesus at work that day, specifically showing compassion, grace, and that I can work hard that day and be a really good worker and a really good manager in a way that brings glory to God. I pray for some way that I could serve him today and that he would kind of prod me and let me know that that's what he's expecting for me at that time. I pray that if there's something I can do better or that I need to change, that he would show me. And sometimes that's hard. But real men, real strong people, women of God, pray those kinds of prayers. That God would show something I need to change or show any wicked way in me, the Old Testament says. I pray that His Holy Spirit teaches me something useful and encouraging in what I was just about to read in His Word. And then I would go and start reading the Bible. I don't read the devotionals in the morning. I usually just go right to reading His Word, the Bible. I want to hear from God. I read passages that pertain to issues in my life or that's going to be a help during that day. A lot of times that takes me to Psalms, sometimes Proverbs, sometimes Ephesians. Oh, First Peter's always really good when dealing with people. <laughs> so those are some suggestions of where to go. Psalm 37, Psalm 26, Psalm 63. Those are some fantastic ones for times of trouble or, or hardships at work. I like reading through the Gospels and focusing on Jesus because, after all, we're supposed to be like him. So how do we be like him if we don't know what he's like? So I really try and focus on how Jesus interacted with people, how he responded to questions, or how he dealt with problems and issues. The best book for doing that is the book of Mark, because Mark is a book that is really fast-paced. Um, Mark was a young man, probably about a teenager when Jesus was alive, and he was just enthralled with Jesus. And Peter was a good friend of his, so he would write down and take notes of everything about Jesus he could, especially when he interacted with Peter. And he interviewed a lot of people, and he compiled all of these notes and put it together in a book, and that is the book of Mark. I read until something grabs my attention. I can just tell the Holy Spirit is illuminating some of what I'm reading and is trying to speak to me through that. And when that happens, that is so cool. I hope that happens to you. Usually that happens within just a few sentences of reading something, or, or I can only get through one paragraph when that happens. Ephesians 5.26 says, The word washes our mind clean. So I like to read until I'm feeling a lot better or thinking a lot cleaner. <laughs> so, yeah. Clean out the clutter and replace with godly things, right from His Word. Oh, and I'm reminded of good doctrine daily. Doctrine is the proper way of handling things, or the proper way that 
we're to do things or to handle our day from the Bible, from God. The truths in the Bible is what doctrine is. Doctrine is important because it's the foundation for Christian living. It's the fuel that runs my vehicle at work. (laughs) William Wilberforce, one of the greatest men who worked hard and did great things, such as abolish slavery in England, wrote a book in 1797 called A Practical View of the Prevailing Religious System of Professed Christians. With a title like that, you can bet I read that four or five... No, I have never read it. (laughs) But the book was about working hard. I do know that. It's about doing good, or how to get things done, or how to win friends and influence people. The book was about biblical doctrine, that that's the foundation for all of those things. Correct doctrine was so important to him, and it was the foundation of all that he accomplished. I want it to be my foundation too, the Bible, so I read some of it every morning. Not a lot, 15, maybe 20 minutes, that's all you need to do, and I think that's how the Bible is meant to be read, paragraph at a time, a chapter maybe at a time. When I pray, and read God's Word in the mornings, I find a lot of the troubling things that clutter my thoughts or confuse me about what I'm doing or going to do or things that condemn me like failure or you're not good enough for this or this is going to be really horrible today. Those all just go away. Some of them I give to God. Like 1 Peter 5, 7 says, To cast all our burdens on him because he cares for us. Then when I read in his word, those things are always replaced with encouragement. Encouragement that God is in control and that he's powerful. And that he will cause all things to work together for good for me that day. And it keeps me reminded of what really matters. And that I am loved by God and energized to take on the day. One of my favorite businessmen is R.G. Letourneau. I graduated from his college. His life verse, which I have at my desk at work, below a picture of him, is Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This verse says several things, but primarily it's about priorities, namely the priority of your day and life and at work. Seek God, enhance his kingdom, and be righteous. How do you seek God? By praying to him and then reading in his word, the Bible, the first things you do each day. Isn't it interesting that this being the last podcast on our series of how to improve your job is what to do first. What to do first each day. Maybe that'll help you remember it and do it. Let me wrap this podcast up this time with a very fitting quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Sow a thought 
and you reap an action. Sow an action, and you reap a habit. Sow a habit, and you reap a character. Sow a character, and you reap a destiny. Folks, what are you sowing? What are you planting in your mind and heart every day at the beginning of your day? May that be prayer and Bible reading. And I guarantee you, you do that, spend a good amount of time, you know, 20 minutes in prayer, 20 minutes in Bible reading is plenty. And your work and your career, and to some of you, your retirement will improve. I guarantee it. Please tell someone about this podcast. Unless it's been worthless to you, then don't. (laughs) But if you have found value, please tell someone. And uh, send me a note to my email. Info at bluejeanschristian.com And remember to buy my book, Your Glorious Endeavor, available on Amazon. Oh, and when you pray... Please pray for our country's leaders who are trying to make decisions that are best for us. Thank you, folks. See you later.